So you remember there is this, um, this is, you know, I'm just going to kind of go from memory, but it's, uh, you have Father, and then we'll just use Word, and Holy Spirit, and they live in this, uh, you know, wonderful thing where they love each other, and they're bound together, and they think the same, and, but they each do their own work, but they're made of the same stuff, and all is cooperative. And then you notice that... Um, I'll draw this slightly differently from last time just because, you know, there's different ways you can do it. You'll notice in verse 3 it talks about having a common life, which I think is just a glorious phrase. It's more British phrase. You don't always get that from Americans, but, hey, you're looking for this common life. You have a thing in common. And this, of course, uh, I don't know if we, I can't remember what we talked about this last time or not, but the word for common in the scriptures is, as you all would know, communion, and the Greek is? Koinonia, and of course that then is the word for the Holy Supper. So you can't, there's so many ways into this, koinonia. There's so many ways into this because, of course, you always have a koinonia in something. You share something in common. You eat something in common. You believe something in common. And of course the thing that you uh, are bound together by is once again the word. In this case, then, Verses 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, they keep talking about you saw him, you touched him, you know, he was visible to you, he was made visible. It said that two times. He's, so basically, it's word made flesh. So your common thing is that you're bound up with the flesh and blood of Jesus Christ. So word made flesh and blood, and that's particularly good news for you who are flesh and blood. And this is why, um, you know, the resurrection is such a big deal. This is why Christians are different from people who say it's all about the soul. We hear this every time we get a funeral. We even heard it at Harold's funeral. Oh, it's so good that he's free of his body. Good morning. So good that he's free of his body. And, yet, or, and you know, the thing is, is Christians don't talk that way. We don't talk about it's so good to be free of your body. We talk exactly the opposite, which is it's so good you're going to get your body back completely perfect, as if your body was your problem. You see, and that's what John's fighting against. People who think as if your body was your problem, and he's, he's actually set up the deal to say, your body's not a problem. In fact, God loves you so much that, you know, they got together and decided that the son would come and that he'd be flesh and blood. And partly, you have to remember, it's always flesh and blood forever. So when you get to heaven, you actually get to see Jesus in flesh and blood. It's an open question whether or not he'll still have scars. I'm betting on the scars. But, you know, the scars are glorious as we sing in hymns. You know, it'll be interesting to see whether his perfected body has a perfected, you know, little slash here from the sword or from the spear. But, you know, it depends whether you think that's a good thing or a bad thing. So, so far, you still okay? You look at me confusedly? No, you're all okay? So the question is then, the very practical thing is, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit have a common life. You, what the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit want for you is a common life. How you, you, go to the, you go to the Eucharist every week to get the common life. We're only six verses in, right? So common life, common life, common life, community, community, community. Not us and them. It's all, we're all in it together. Now the question is, why aren't we very good at that? Why aren't churches very good at that? Why are so many families? Why are so many, many marriages troubled? You see, everywhere we look, there's evidence that the common life doesn't work very well. So, for all of you, I mean, this could be the one place in all the world where, you know, your family life, 
with your parents, your marriage, your life with other Christians. This could be the one place in all the world where your common life works out. And the question is, how are you going to do that? The first answer, the implicit answer is, you go to the Eucharist. But you all know that people go to the Eucharist and then they you know, come right back down and they're as crabby at the person next to them as they were before. Or, you know, when we were kind of in our troubles over the last year, there were people who wouldn't shake hands with other people, who wouldn't say, peace be with you. And that was very difficult for us as pastors because then we have a real difficult pastoral thing, whether we should commune them or not. There was only one person in the end that we didn't, that in, there's only been less than five people, I would say, in the whole time I've been a pastor, 17 years, that I said, you can't, should not come to the supper. You know, there was only one person in all of that that we said, maybe we're too lenient about that. That was one criticism of us, you know, but we always think that that's the physical touch of Jesus. So, you know, whatever your troubles are, I touch you with the body and blood of Jesus, and that's going to do you more good than, but of course, you also know that Jesus lets himself be abused. He lets himself be rejected. You can push Jesus away if you want. So the question is, what happens is we go to the Eucharist, and then we go out from there, and this is what we're supposed to be doing, and then the question is, you know, why don't we do a better job than that? So I think that's what he's going to answer now. Does that make sense? So you're all together. Okay, so the Trinity has this life. Jesus comes to earth so you can have this life. He gives you the Eucharist. He gives it himself. He gives you this, he gives you this common life as a gift. You walk away from the altar, and why is it so hard? That makes sense? That's all we're trying to do. The Eucharist is the Greek, it just means the Lord's Supper. It's the, it's the, it's the Greek word, yeah, it's Holy Communion, Eucharist, Lord's Supper. You can use them all, they're all names for the same thing. Like you have a middle name, don't you? What's your middle name? Then I, That was my mother's middle name. I think we should just call you May from now on. And everybody will know that it's you. <laughs> I think so. We'll take, we'll take a try at it. All right, so listen to this next bit. So why is it so blasted hard? All right, verse 5. Here's the message we heard from him and pass on to you. So Jesus is going to tell you. How do you have a common life? Here's the message we heard from him and we pass on to you. Those are the technical terms for a rabbi. That's paralambano and paradidomai. You get your stuff from a rabbi. In this case, Jesus is the rabbi. And then John, who's your rabbi, gives it to you. So Jesus the rabbi gives it to John the rabbi who gives it to you. That's how the church works. And we've been doing a lot of this on Sunday. It just goes from rabbi to rabbi to rabbi. And, of course, what John wants to do is erase himself because his rabbi is the big deal rabbi. So this is the message. Um, I'm actually kind of curious. Um, what, that, what verse is that, Jan? Is that, was I reading five or seven? Five. Five. This is the message. Yeah, actually, this is the message we heard from him and that we announced to you, which is, um, yeah, yeah, we heard it and we announced to you. Okay, good. Um, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So, and, and we'll just stop there. So last week, this is kind of where I, I cheated ahead because this was the most fun. You basically can sort all of life as light and darkness. Okay, you want to review a little bit? Can you do that? Where, do, where are things where you see light? Where are you things? Give me some examples of light. Give me some examples of darkness. Can you give me some? What do you say? 
Darkness is anger. Thank you very much. And I'll just take that because there's righteous anger, but hardly anybody has it. I, I don't know anybody who does a good job with righteous anger, so we'll just, for this exercise, that's 99, right 99% of the time. So uh, anger, but let's push that out a little bit. What do people normally do when they have anger? Or how would anger be expressed in a way that's not righteous, that's dark? You got a guess on that? What would you say? If you get angry at somebody, what do you do? Yeah, you gossip. That's the first thing. I, I know almost nobody who who does the light thing when they get angry. So if I get really if I get really peeved at you, what do I do? Yeah, to Lisa, because why would I talk to you? I, it's more much. It'll be much easier if I just say, not Jan. What would be the opposite side of what would be the light? Let's say I get, let's just take the other one percent. If I get angry, say I'm angry at you. What would be the in the light thing to do? What should I do? Good, but it takes. That's going to be down the line a little bit. So work me back in the most practical way before we get to forgiveness, because I'm not that good, to be honest with you. So, what what happens first? Yeah, how do you reveal it? And who do you speak to? Yeah, you go directly. You all know this. You go directly. What else? Alone. And for rec and for forgiveness. There, I'll give it to you as a third one, right? So these are your two possibilities. You get angry. This would be the light side. This would be the dark side. Let's say, I mean, if I really hurt you, it's okay for you to be angry. But it's okay. I mean, it's a natural. Pastor, uh, Pastor Nelson did a great job with this in his sermons. Like we said, anger is when you want something, you don't get it. That's what he said. You remember that last in the sermon last week? He said anger is when your will gets frustrated. So you want something, you don't get it. Therefore, you get angry. And he says that's a telltale sign about what matters to you. You remember that from last week? It was a very, very helpful, very practical thing. So let's say I hurt you. There's two things you can do with that anger. You can either go to the darkness or you can go to the light. This is, if you could clean this up in churches, and I mean in all forms, if you could get people to talk nose to nose and you could get them to talk individually before they talk publicly, 90% of the problems in churches would go away. Right? It does go for the entire world. I'm not a big enough guy to fix the entire world, Maddie. <laughs> It is, it is, right, right, so, so now the question, we just started to touch on this, I mean, so what do you, now practically speaking, so Jan hurts me, and I'm really crabby, <laughs> more crabby than when I woke up this morning, I'm more crabby at Jan than I even was, I could have been crabby without her, but no, she helped me be more crabby. <laughs> So what's the practical thing when I come to you, what you should be thinking is what? Common life, common life, common life, common life. Thank you very much. The practical thing is, is you'd, you'd say, well, if you're that crabby, Jen, we should probably go talk to her. Now, you realize already you're kind of at point number two of Matthew 18. The first thing would be to say to Jan, why don't you just go talk to her? But normally, what does Jan do? Not Jan, it's too hard. Because what, what does normally somebody do? Because this gets too... What do they normally do? If you say, I won't talk to you about that, you should go talk to Bruzek on your own, what do they normally do? They go talk to her. Because they need a sympathetic ear. Because after all, people just want to be heard. They just need to get it all out. What people, you know, for about 20 years, there's been this thing, 
you know, both in philosophy and uh, the philosophy, there's this very famous philosophy, there's keep the conversation going. The thing is, a lot of what you have to say is bleh, and me too. It's just icky stuff. It shouldn't ever be said. A lot of stuff is you just have to be quiet. So you say to me, um, go talk to her, and what do I do? I go talk to her. And then she says to me, you know, I run into my second good Christian of the morning, and she says, go talk to her, so I go talk to her. Okay, so you can just see how screwed up this gets. And what happens is evil continues until it finds a weakness. So I go to you, I get pushed back, I go here, I go here, and then somebody, since there's nobody behind me, I hope. <laughs> is there somebody behind me? I don't know. Just because you're not paranoid doesn't mean everybody's not out to get you, okay? So you go finally find a person, and what happens? You find somebody weak enough to listen, and then what happens? Evil takes control. And the common life is shattered. Make sense? Yes, please. From other people or from God? Well, just don't don't think too hard. What were you talking about? Other people. Okay, good. <coughs> All right. It's terribly attractive. Why is it attractive? Why? Right. Yes. Yes. Right. And you'll name it Facebook. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Bubbled in your poison together. No, there's it's not random at all. No, it's good. So why? But the question is, why is it attractive? That's good. If I wasn't so lazy, I'd get up and write rage over there, which is a very good word. That can only happen in Wheaton. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Here's the thing. Get to a war zone, okay? Why do we love that? We might as well just read the text. So hold, that's exactly right. It's easier. The question is, why is it easier? Um, I'm going to push you, I'm going to skip a verse to go. Uh, verse 8, which you say every Sunday, because if we claim to be sinless, we're self-deceived and strangers to the truth. Okay, so here's your ucky heart. All right. There is something in you that is still dark. There's something attractive about evil. You know, your heart, you're still, uh, you're still sinner, and there's something about it that's attractive. Why is it attractive? Partly it's Satan, but the, um, let's. And he does actually make it attractive. But sometimes we're so good at it on our own, <laughs> we don't even need any extra help from the devil or the world. As the why, but why is it so attractive? It is easier. Good. Okay. Yes, control, exactly. So it's easy, and you control, absolutely, you have control of it, good. Yes, good, it's about me and my mirror. Yeah, that's all it. Yes, right, you're the center of the universe, yes. Yes, you are. And if you're not, exactly, you can tell, and if you're not, you should be even crabbier. Yes, you should, because it's all about you. Yes, right. Oh, that's good. Deserve is always good. 
Mrs. Burmeister, what do you think? That's going to screw everything up if you actually find out you have faults, right? Because all of this gets, then it's not so easy and you're not in control and then it's not really all about you. And Oh, my goodness. You see what the risks are so, are so high. Thank you. Idle was always a nice word to think about in this particular case. One thing that's stunning about you is I have so much over here and I have hardly anything over there. That side, the light side is so lonely right now. I just, I just observe that about you. <laughs> You seem to be so good with the darkness side. Well, but, yeah. You'd have to stop and pray. Oh, my goodness, you would. You'd have to say a prayer. Holy cow. You'd have to, yeah, you'd have to say some prayers for crying out loud. You'd have to think of somebody else besides yourself. You'd have to be kind because, you know, there's hardly anything harder than going to somebody and say, you're a real, you know. <laughs> I mean, that trying to figure out a way to say that in a nice way is uh, just, uh, you know, that's that's a, that's heavy lifting, is it not? Go ahead. Oh yes, we have natural talent. Natural talent, yes. Oh yes, right. Let your let your talent just flow right out of you. Don't hide that under a bushel. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, exactly. Well, there you go. Now, see, this is actually. You might want to get some water and a name. That would be good. Oh boy. Yes, that's right. Uh, yes, that that's actually right. This you have to. Well, here's the thing. When you're, if your heart actually, I'll give you a big picture of that heart. So you got part of your heart that looks like this, and then you got part of the heart that's been invaded by the Holy Spirit. Something has to die here, and in the most literal way, your own death. So let's just take Harold this week. When Harold dies this week, this part of him dies, and this part of him takes over. That's actually what happens in your in your real death. Um, that's why, you know, I just go to the, this is why Catholics talk about purgatory. The idea is not totally wrong. It's there in 1 Corinthians um, chapter 2, which is you are cleansed by fire as you go through your death. That's what the text says. The purgatory argument is about how long that takes. Lutherans normally say it's instantaneous. And then it says your good works follow you into heaven, which is really kind of a cool thing. It's all in 1 Corinthians 2 if you want to take a look at it. But what happens when you're at your real death this gets erased, right? Isn't that nice? Yes, Mary. Yeah, actually, that's probably, this is, so we could, um, we'll have to stretch some to get you perfect in this life, but for Lutherans, um, you know, that's the perfection of Christ given to you. And chaos, that's right, chaos always goes with darkness. So when things are chaotic, so we should say ordered over here would be the opposite. Okay? Make sense? Yeah. Let's say the baby dies. Yeah. And the baby goes into death. Right. Where does that come from? Heaven or hell? Heaven. Heaven is my short answer. Heaven is I don't I don't know anything about purgatory. I told you everything I know about it already. I'm done now. <laughs> I was only observing that the impulse is, is in the scriptures that only for the sake of making the point that things get cleaned up. So it happens instantaneously, and it happens at your death, and it happens because of Christ, and it doesn't have to do with your work. So why is the error? Because, um, because there's a first commandment, and you are not the master of your own life. So life and the reason you stick around is because life and death don't belong to you. The great error of killing yourself is that you've made yourself God. 
That's the thing. It's not even about murdering yourself first. It's not a, it's not a fifth commandment error. It's a first commandment error. So the Lord's brought you into being. He's my creator. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. So he decides how long you live. Well, one, see, that just, that works it a bit too, too hard because the Lord doesn't force you to get cleaned up, right? He wants you desperately to be cleaned up, but he doesn't force you. This is the same question your kid says to you, like, uh, they come over, they suddenly it turns on about in the second grade that they can, that they're, when they die, they're going to be with Jesus. Some well-meaning Sunday school teacher tells them this. And so then they're playing in the street, and you're like, you're going to get killed. And what do they always say to you? Hey, that's okay. If I die, I'm going to Jesus. And there's like a whole year you can't control them. They, they jump off the roof and they, you know, they play with fish hooks. There's nothing you can do because they, somebody told them they're just going to be with Jesus. So if that's just an automatic, hey, I might as well learn to drive. You know, I'm eight. It's easy, right? It's the, it's the same answer for you, which is you're not your own. You're bought with a price. Glorify God in your body, right? Please. No, really, if you got something, it's all right. Yes. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> right. Good. Yes, it is. Put them all in. Good. Good. So here's the thing. Let me just summarize what you're saying by saying, so we not only stink at, at going to people, we stink at forgiving people when they come. So this is a double icky thing. So the church is twice as bad as we thought 15 minutes ago. And by the way, you're actually absolutely right. Because if I came to you and said, let's say you didn't even know it, but let's say I've always disliked you and I've told a lot of people that. In fact, I've told Mary that and we've talked about you behind your back and I'm really sorry. How does that feel? Exa- that is exactly right. That is exactly right. And you'd, you'd count yourself a Christian, and, most, and so would most people in the room. So, and then what, would, what do we normally do? We're like, I hate you, right? So we not only stink at going to talk to people, we stink at forgiving them once they screw up the curse. No wonder the church doesn't work, Right? Let's hold that for a second. We'll go around there, but we need to come back to that because we actually need some practice here. No, actually, no, that was very insightful. It's very, very, it's very, very helpful. Yes, please. Thank you very much. Now, what would be a good way for you to, with your stinky human nature, what would be a way to get your stinky human nature under control? So there's something about kneeling down at the Eucharist in the morning and saying... I'm a damn sinner and I need some help. You would think that that might refocus you just a little bit. And you might even think bigger, like if you see a Jesus on the cross, like he had to die because I stink and I'm kneeling, which is the classic posture of not being a master but a servant. Push. Okay, so good. Yes. Good. Now, this is actually exactly right. So sometimes people can't do it. So. Now, when the darkness is so thick that you can't see which way to turn, what do you do? There's a couple of options. What would be the best and what would be the worst one? You're you're exactly right. This is the most practical thing. What do you do? Thank you very much. 
You keep the discipline. This is what, yes, exactly. This is why discipline is so important. Well, you won't find yourself, you'll only be found when Christ finds you. So here's the thing. So when you, so you, you say to yourself, I hate everybody and I'm horrible and I'm miserable. And so, A, I won't go to church and make the elders chase me at St. John. Or B, I'll go to church twice as often as I went before. What's the right answer? Watson? A little inside Jeopardy joke for you who joined your afternoon. Yeah, so, exa- so what do you do? What do most people do? They stay away. What's the thing that will save you? If you're in the dark, what will save you? A, more darkness. B, light. Do you see how basic this is? I mean, this is not rocket science. It really is not. But so the failure is often our failure of performance, of doing what the Lord has given us to do. And here's the double thing. We're all individually very weak, right? Which is why if you could get some help in a community, so somebody who might kneel on either side of you, especially if you and I knelt next to each other, the great C.S. Lewis line, I go to the Eucharist in the morning, every morning, to love the people that I don't like. Right? So maybe after kneeling down next to you for, I don't know, two years, I might actually be able to say, hey, maybe you're not so bad. You know, you keep the discipline, you say your prayers, and you were nice to, you know, <laughs> Betty, and, you know, your kids are actually okay. And you, at some point, you know, you see how, see, see, here's the problem. This is not difficult. I mean, it's difficult. It's not complicated. That's what I meant to say. It's not complicated. You do these things, and good things happen. So, as I've said to you before, touch good, and good things happen. Touch evil, and evil things happen. Touch light, and light increases. Touch darkness, and darkness increases. It's the life that you want. We've actually gotten pretty good over the past couple of years at identifying light and darkness. Where we're not so good yet, where we're just starting, are the growing pains of what happens when somebody actually takes the first step. You know, and what happens? Man, it just screws everything up. You know, it just, you, I mean, it's so screwed up. You have to start liking people that you don't really like and talking to people you don't want to talk to. And you got to, you know, switch your Facebook status from gossipy to Jesus child. You know, there's all these things that happen to you, right? Exactly. Oh, my goodness. Now, you're married to Jack, and everything's great in your life, but have you ever been around cranky people for any experience, any extended period of time? You ever been in a group, let's say, that's just crabby all the time? Well, you know, you've seen people, the next-door neighbors are like this. It's just exhausting, and, you know, you, yeah, if you keep the shade up, you see him, and... Right. Well, that's working for you. Good. That's perfect. We're right where we got it right. We got it right where we want him. Backed into a corner. But but the thing is, is yeah, yeah, right, right, right. If you've ever had a spouse, a kid, a college roommate, a mom, a dad, a next door neighbor who was always crabby, it just exhausts you. It's just exhaust. You just want to like. You just got to get some time away. Right. 
Right, which is why Jesus regularly took vacation. Do you know, and I'll just say this and again, do you know, and this is, you know, Lutherans could catch up a little bit, do you know that it's required of every, well, I'll tell you this first, I'm going on retreat in a monastery next week, but do you know that it's required of every Catholic priest to take a week away in spiritual retreat every year? Yeah, why is that? Because you get tired. It should be required for you too, by the way. But, um, yeah, I remember my first year here, I actually offhandedly said, in a very early meeting, I had not been here a year, and there was a meeting of leaders, and I said, they said, can you meet next week? I said, oh, no, I'm I said, I'm going to see my, I said, I'm going to see my confessor for two days. And then there was this buzz came back to me that somebody said, we don't know what's happened to you, but is everything okay? Or is everything falling apart? I said, this is great, man. What's the deal? Well, you're going away. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. That's what you're supposed to do. You're spo- I mean, read, how often does it say that Jesus was flipping exhausted by people? They're chasing him down. They're running after him. He's running away. Like, leave me alone, right? And the best they can get out of him is a Bible study occasionally when things, you know, they, he doesn't. So, so you should all take a little time. Because that's what happens. That's what happens. Evil is exhausting. I'm going to come right back. Go ahead. Say it again. I'm coming to Hindoku and my husband's You're in this right now with your sister? Yeah. Yeah, right. I know that. Do you actually want them all to know it? Think about them. They think you're perfect. They think you're perfect just the way you are and all one cares. Hmm. I see, this is always, it's always a difficulty when people don't think. Although the pressure is off. You know, the Germans have this great, this great saying that say, once you've lost your reputation, you're free. So God bless you, you're free. I mean, they, there's nothing they can do to you now. Congratulations. Rebecca. You should just write that down, probably. Yeah? It is exhausting. (laughs) Oh, I'm running out of board. (laughs) Right. We did have, oh gosh, yeah, control we had. Possession is good. So there's two things here, at least. The there's a point. How do you know the Good. Perfectly said. So the first observation is, let me sum what you said by saying this. There's a point where your health doesn't help anymore. Okay. <coughs> it's like when you, it's like when you, you know, always clean up after your kids and never let them take a risk and don't take their book to them when they forget them. Pick something, okay? So there's a point where your health doesn't help anymore. But to know where the line is. That is what it is to be a discerning Christian. Thank you very much. Which now we circle back to why this is why you have, oh gosh, I was going to say old ladies in the congregation. (laughs) But if I say that, now we're on the dark side and there's anger going on. But here's what you should do. You should go talk to her. You should have lunch with her. That's what you should do. That's how the church works. You're supposed to go have lunch with her when this happens. Because she'll say to you, well, you know, I've been married to Jack for a lot of years. One of the things I've learned is that's what she's going to do. That's, what, that's what's supposed to happen in the church. Instead, what happens? You have to keep up your reputation, unlike Karen, who's completely ruined herself today. <laughs> and um, because you need to keep your, then you just go home and you cry in the mirror. Mm-hmm. Option B is to go have lunch with Maddie. And then Maddie will say, there, there, you're still young. This happens. The more you see of this, the better you'll do. The more often people come to you and say, I've really hurt you, the, the second time it happens, you'll maybe won't freak out. And then the third time, you'll actually say, 
I'll pray for you. And then the next time after that, you say, I saw you at the Eucharist, so the Lord will probably square it up. And the 10th time, you'll probably say, hey, this kind of stuff happens in the church. I'm glad you come and talk to me. And it happens the 50th time, you'll say, hey, let's just, let's, let, well, I'll see a church. We'll, we'll sort it out. It's, it's a matter of experience. It's discernment and it's experience. You'll know the only way you get discernment is experience, right? But, of course, we live in Wheaton where everybody has to do it themselves. Everybody's smarter than everybody else. Why would we need a community? Because I decided for Jesus. So once I decided for Jesus, it's all over. So Wheaton is this community of Christians who are all individual silos as opposed to being, or being in or having a common life. You see how screwed up this is? But here's the deal. You actually have a chance because you're reading the text, and the Lord will do it, and so it's kind of risky. So let me just, your question was actually so good initially because it was so practical. Here's what needs to happen. We need to be people who, I can come to you and I can say, you know, I did this, I'm very sorry. And you need to be able to say to me, you just are killing me, but I'm going to forgive you, and we'll try to figure out what that means living together. (laughs) Well, you know, and dead is a different issue, but that actually, here's the thing. You can even clean it up when people are dead. Uh, actually, if you if we got two minutes, so we can talk about that. Because we all have people. Did you have an aunt that tortured you while you were a kid? Or a father or a mother? Or just pick somebody, and they actually do die, and then what do you do with that? And the answer is, each time it comes to mind is like this kind of engagement. Each time the person comes to mind. And when the person comes to mind in your imagination, it's as real as if they're there. Believe me, your imagination is often more real than the reality, right? It is. So when the person comes to mind, it's a great phrase, isn't it? When they come to mind, which is like the, the little door that opens on your forehead and they walk in, I'm home. You know, when they come to mind, what you do with that is you treat them now the way Christ would have them tre- have you treat them. So you can make good with your mother who tortured you. It's going to be a bit of a one-way conversation. But you can actually make good with that over a period of time. You can actually do that. And the way that you do that is remembering your baptism and theirs, remembering your Eucharist and theirs, remember what Christ wants from you, remember light and not darkness. And when you speak to them, and frankly, I know you speak to them, you're all talking all the time. You're even talking now when you're not talking. You know that little voice in your head? When you're talking, you control that voice too as much as you control your tongue. And you can bend that conversation to a way that's in the light and not in the darkness. And here's the thing. Once people are dead, there's no time limit you got as long as you're going to live to work it out. So you can either stew in it or you can fix it. Exactly right. Because guilt, sin, then guilt. So when the sin goes away, the guilt goes away. And the other thing is, is and this goes back to Rebecca's first thing, which is confess real sins. So if your mother always said to you, you're no daughter of mine because you, and very rarely are those things sins, they're often preference, Right? Because you blah, 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 you didn't become, yeah, I wanted to be a nurse and you decided to be, you know. People, I can't believe the number of people who are, feel guilt over things that aren't sinful. If it's a sin, then you're guilty. Actually, if it's not a sin, there's no guilt. Move on, right? Sometimes they are. Exactly. Or, or there, or people hang hang it under the fourth commandment. If you were, you know, if you were a good daughter, you would. What the heck, you know? I mean, come on. 
because only Jesus gets to define what's good. See, in the darkness, anybody can say what's good, but in the light, it's very clear what's good, right? Honor your parents, <coughs> love your kids, don't lie, don't cheat, don't steal, don't hurt anybody, and I'll see you in church on Sunday. That's all there is. Thank you. Right? Good. So on this side, you know why? Because this is objective, which means it's stable, which goes with there was order here. And on this side, it's subjective, so it always changes. So you've got somebody who, so, so you've got a sister who never liked you, and as soon as you clean that up, she finds another reason not to like you. It changes all the time, which is, that makes people crazy. What's that? Well, you can, not everybody's you, Carol. I've, I've come to learn that over the years, okay? Not everybody's yours. You're a unique kind of stuff, Carol. Go ahead. Right? And it'll be a miserable death, by the way. You, in fact, you can start today. People who are baptized. Yeah, right, it's you. Yeah, anybody who's baptized. Absolutely. Here's the thing. This is the old Lutheran symbol used to set Picotter. It's basically like this, although it doesn't look exactly like this. But you basically want to live on this side. You're going to be miserable if you want to live on this side. If you want to live on the side that's light, you can have the joy of heaven right now. If you want to live on the side that's darkness, you can have hell every day of your life, 24-7. That's all he's saying there. This? No, this comes naturally. That's where, that's where we went to verse. If you say you're by nature sinful and unclean, we say it every, every week we say, hey, I got this caked. This is easy. I'm good at this. Yeah, I'm really good at this. Right. Don't you know that all of you who are baptized are temples of the Holy Spirit? Don't you know you're a temple of the Holy Spirit? It's a baptismal reference. Right. Yes, it is, but the par part of it is now when you, you get outside even your terror and you go see her, what you remember is that she's baptized and has lived the common life of the Eucharist too. So the defining factor of looking at her is she's been baptized, she wears the name of Jesus, and she's got the body and blood of Jesus in her, so you treat her the way Jesus treats her. When you look back, you look at her and you say, she's baptized, she's got the body and blood of Jesus. Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. Or is, when you did it to one of these, you did, it, you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. If she's the least of these, and you go to her, you're talking to Jesus. That would be an interesting way to think about the church. The next time you talk to Jan, you remember that you're talking to Jesus. Judge, judge, same, same. Okay? Right? Well, we just went, but see, now we're going to practice with Maddie. Maddie's going to give lessons. We're going to practice. It does take some practice. That's what we talk about practicing the Christian life, right? Yes, Carol? Well, because, yeah, and you have to lose all these things. Look at all these things you're going to lose. Good. Say it again. Because it's changed. Everybody loves what they've got. It's fear of the unknown. People, people live in, uh, just look at the church. People live in all kinds of misery every day. And you, you could say to them, I can give you something that will fix you. Why don't people take their medicine when they go to the doctor? 
It always confuses me that people don't take their medicine. The doctor says, take four of these w w once a day, and you take one of them four times a day. I've never, I've never been able to figure out why people don't do what the doctor, if you actually, it's the same thing. Do you know what it would be like to live over here? You actually have to like her. If you live over here, you do actually. On this side, you do. Over here, you don't. But I mean, look at Shirley. Well, close enough, okay, in this particular case. I would settle for love, but I wouldn't I would kind of enjoy like. Oh, yes. Wouldn't it be brilliant to live in a church? Yes, that would be a brilliant thing. It is can be or or a friendship. I could say Lisa just irritates the bejeebers out of me and then and and you would not hear that as gossip, you'd hear that yeah, and you share the common life or not. I'd say that's right. Well, that's not where most people are, I'll just tell you. Because most people think of their world as us and them, rather all in it together. Even in the church, people always want things to be adversarial. Actually, if I can get a Bible study done today, I, I actually have it all in my head, but uh, I don't know if I can get it out because I have to pack my office today. But here's the thing. Ah, look around. Do you think it's easy living with all these people? There's 25 people here you wouldn't want to have as your roommate. You can or you can't do this? Carol, if you and I lived together, we'd kill each other before sunset. <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. I've been to Russia with you. I know what it would be like. Thank God we had separate rooms, separate train cars for crying out loud. We would kill each other before we would. We'd be dead by, one of us would be dead by dark. It would, it would you know. But but don't people don't people mistake compatibility in the church for love or like? I mean there's I mean there's none of you that want to live with me. My wife is a saint because she lives with me. There's not one of you that would want to live with me. That has nothing to do with our common life, and it's no reason for me to. Yes, it is. It's maturity. You see, how it's this is how everything everything in the scriptures fit together. It's just that we we won't take the first step until we never grow up. This is the whole problem with people who think they've learned everything when they graduate confirmation in the eighth grade. You know, you, all, you know as much about Christ as you know about the rest of life in the eighth grade. We don't say that for any other thing. We don't say that about finances. We don't say that about education. But you know what? We say it about Jesus. We know every, I knew everything. I, I knew it all in the eighth grade. That's the stupidest thing people could say. This is so, it's, 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 it's not complex, but it's very difficult to do this because it runs against our nature right make sense well it's not supposed to be but it is well it wasn't a struggle in Eden but since Eden it's a struggle but then let's acknowledging that rather than just kneeling down every week and saying <coughs> I'm by nature simple and clean and thinking about whether the Packers are going to cover the spread you know what you actually have to think about is this is going to be troublesome because if you look up, if you just open one eye during confession, you'll actually see people that you don't particularly like. And if they went somewhere else, it wouldn't particularly bother you. And that's wrong, right? They're baptized. The point is to share a common life. We may not get it all worked out in this life, but we're supposed to work at it. 
I'll agree with you if you'll come all the way around to the other side, because that's often how things happen. You can be, you can love them enough to be mad, but you actually have to love them enough to talk to them, and then love them enough to forgive them, and love them enough to see that they're baptized and they have the Eucharist in them, which means to love them enough that you see that they're in community with Christ. So if you, you can, or you can live. That's the alternative is to live alone. And now you hear the great refrain that we always use here, which is you can live alone and unloved if you want. You can be, you can have hell on earth. You can be miserable for. You're not, what are you, like 22? You're going to live another 60 years, okay? So if you just want to live in hell for the next 60 years, God bless you and please keep your distance. Or, you know, the other possibility is we could actually do the things that Jesus asks us to do, like go to Paraguay and give out eyeglasses because some little kid there will finally be able to see for the first time in their life. And then Everybody will say, light, 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 isn't that nice, right? And then you come back and do it again after you get some rest. Do you see all the pieces fit together? Mm-hmm. Now the hard thing for me is you're actually a very smart group. You know actually what all the pieces are. The hard thing is the practice. You know, the hard thing is the practice. So all this time spent on trying to figure out what the pieces are, it's not been lost. But really, like, the next step in all of your lives is to try to get the practice down. And it's going to be so hard. Because we don't do it every day. And like one will exhaust you today. Do one. So here's the thing. Here's your assignment. Be nice to one person you don't like today. Pick somebody. The bagger at the jewel store. Your husband. And pick somebody. <laughs> I mean, you know, your kid who's been giving you guff every day. Just do one today because then it'll be like this. Oh, i got to get some rest. Yeah, you're exhausted, right? Just try one today. And if one works, don't go overboard today. You can try two tomorrow, you know, if you... But don't go beyond that because, you know, you're young and, you know, impressionable. And unless you go with Maddie, if you go with Maddie, you can do three. You can do three today if you're with Maddie because she's got some distance experience. Make sense? Yes, please. We were very good at the right side. Do you? Yes, that's right. Very good, right? Short, a short. How about a short memory? Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Long memory goes over here very easily, doesn't it? Oh gosh, I'm mad at her. Why are you mad? Well, I. Do you know back when they were married? How long ago was that? Twenty-one years ago. Do you know that they? This is why I always tell people, you know, don't say anything or do anything stupid at a wedding or a funeral because that's what people remember. They have a date in their head and they can say, at the wedding or at the funeral, you, they, it's like people always want to make a stand at a wedding or a funeral. I'm, and I always say to them, you're kidding me, right? Like, not here. You might just, just put that away for a week because otherwise it's like, eep. It's crazy. Yes, please. Really? Right. Oh, I hadn't even done outfits yet. You see how impoverished I am. Absolutely. It comes so naturally. It was easy. Yes, it was easy. Yes, we didn't get easy over here, but we certainly should.
Exactly. It had nothing to do with me, my life, my family, right. anything I really cared about, really. And I'm like, so why am I doing this? I often, it's easy exactly. Answer, you know? I often say to my kids, you know, there's a lot of evil in the world. Don't add to it. You know, there's just there's just a lot of evil in the world, and it comes naturally. But you have to. This is and I'm. This is very brilliantly said because here's the thing: what happens is when we do that, we add to the misery in the world. We burden the world with misery, right? When we listen to it, when we participate, we burden. And it's not even at some point you can't even listen to it. I mean, when people when you hear people, I mean, I just really when people start, you know, there's this notion too that everybody should have their say. Actually, not true, because words actually matter. And you can, if words were visible, if you could see them fill the air and the weight of them, you know, it just adds to the misery. Actually, some things are not best said. Some things, you just have to be quiet. And the, the, the thing is, is, man, if you've got that going, after about 12 words, and part of discernment and maturity is to stop people as soon as you notice it. That sounds like a thing you need to talk to. So why don't you go, Right? So anyway, I'm not trying to bum you out. What I am trying to do is say, this is so here's the good news. The good news is you're actually really smart, and you can kind of put all the pieces together. I mean, you can see this from A to Z. You know, if, if I had you write it on a piece of paper, you could all get it from, you could get it all the way from the Holy Trinity before creation. You could run it all the way down to, this is what we need to do, but we need help with practicing. Right? It's like practicing your piano. You wish your mother would have made you kept going. Except for you, Betty, you just kept going forever. It always, last night I fell asleep thinking about, I chuckled to myself, no lie, last night, going to sleep, my last thought was, Betty Baccarini was Pastor Schleck's piano teacher. That's funny. <laughs> that was the last thought, that was my last thought before I went to bed. I know, hey, you're everywhere, see? Uh, so I'm just going to, you know, we didn't do much with the text, but that's actually okay. So here's the message we've heard from him and we pass on to you. So this is going to be important for you. This is, enough, this is important enough to write down. Verse 5, that God is light. In him there's no darkness. Very important. Not partial, not halfway, not grace, guys. There's no darkness. No darkness at all. If we claim to be sharing in his life, while we walk in the dark. So if we say we're Christians, but we, if we say we're one thing and we act like another, you can figure this out, right? If you say you live on this side of the board and you actually live on that side of the board, yeah, our words and our lives are a lie. You're just a liar. Wow. But if we walk in the light, as he himself, Jesus, follow me, is in the light, then we share together, this is great, isn't it? A koinonia, a common life. That's right, we're family. Nobody alone, nobody unloved. And we are being cleansed from every sin. And you notice that's an ongoing thing, day after day. We're being cleansed over and over again. You know, he knows our weakness, he prays for us, Hebrews. He knows you wake up and you're sinful. He knows that sin comes easily and naturally. So he gives you a remedy for that. The Eucharist, your baptism, prayers for strength. We're being cleansed from every sin by the blood of Jesus, his son. Isn't that great? And then the next part you know, which is pra very practical. Say, confess your sins, get forgiven, get out the door, do some good. Yeah, got it? I mean, you know all this, so I just encourage you, you know, practice, practice, practice. That's perfect, right? You all right? All right, good deal.
Uh, Pastor Ganey will be here next week. He'll have no idea what I've said. We'll pass in the dark at the airport uh, on Sunday. <laughs> so you'll have to help him. The best help you could be is if somebody could stand up and draw. What would be fun is if somebody drew up everything from last week and this week and then said, there you go, now tell us something about that. You could, you could see what he knows, okay? He'll, he'll be fine. He actually wrote his, uh, you can sometimes write an honors thesis when you're doing an MDiv, his first degree, and he actually wrote it on First John. Because I wrote him, I said, hey, I flipped this First John on you, I hope you don't care. He's like, I wrote my honors thesis on that at the seminar. I'm like, perfect. <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see what his take is on all this. He's great, man. He's, well, yeah, he wrote me this morning. He said, it's 9 o'clock here. I'm having a cup of coffee, but I should be in the pub across the street having a pint. <laughs> I'm like, perfect. The weather's gray. The kids are fine. Abby's thinking about dyeing her hair purple. Because that's what everybody else is doing. All the cool kids are doing it. Uh, she's thinking about having her nose pierced like that. Uh, what else do I know? He's, his dissertation advisor likes him, and... Um, He's got his advisor's looks like set up for his, what they call a viva, which is your, of course, you remember with Latin, something like life. So, uh, and he'll have to go back. It takes at least three months. I'm encouraging him to just get done and get, get done. But, you know, so life's good. Oh, yeah. Um, he, uh, and his great joy was his advisor, who likes him very much. The big noise that where he is um, is that... Uh, not only that the princes have entered. Well, Prince Prince and um, is it Henry? Who's getting married to Kate Middleton? William. Prince William and, and Kate Middleton will be in town in 10 days, and Emma wants to stay to see them. Because, <laughs> um, let's see now, it was Prince, An who, who was it? It was Prince Andrew? Who, one of the princes graduated from Edinburgh. That sort of was the big deal. The other big deal is his advisor, um, N.T. Wright, has just resigned as the bishop and come there to be a scholar at his Wright's office is next to his advisor, so he said, I'm going to hang out and try to bump into him. Because uh, they've had some communication back and forth over the, over the years about his stuff. And as I told you, we invited him to dinner. We couldn't quite pull that off, but he may try to rekindle that, which will be. That's just a different world. So good for him, and, you know, it's great. But he should be done. They'll make a doctor out of him pretty soon. Um, I'm hoping that Abby comes back with purple hair and her nose pierced. That's why I'm, that's where I got. I don't have I don't have money on it, but I'm thinking you know that'd be the great way to go. You know whatever. Hey, who knows? Hey, she doesn't know anybody over there. Have some fun. All right. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Thank you.